0: Welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richer Geek Podcast. Today we have Preston Brown, He's a speaker, entrepreneur, multiple-figure business owner, specializing in disrupting innovation and profitability scaling companies. He's an expert in finance, business, real estate, and he's directly advised hundreds of CEOs and entrepreneurs on how to grow and scale their companies. How's it going, Preston? Man,
1: I'm having an amazing day on purpose. Michael, how you
0: doing? <laughs> well, the same. You know, I can't. it you know, except it's getting closer to 100 degrees out here, so. Uh, Spending more time up north, but uh, it's all good. Cannot complain. If I could, no one would pay attention to me. They don't listen when we do. That's right. (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, give us a little bit. Uh, You're extremely successful. Take us back a few years. Um, Story of you. I'm going to give you the three-minute version. Uh, I normally
1: tell this one from stage, and it's an hour or two long, but I'm going to give you the basics. I was young. My dad wanted to be an entrepreneur. I grew up in a little trailer park outside of El Paso called Canyon Tio, Texas. And my dad watched all these guys on TV and wanted that lifestyle. And uh, he, he was a metal engineer. Excuse me. I will always say it wrong. Metallurgical engineer by education. But hard knocks education, not college, right? He's a guy that always had a job. And he knew that the only way that he was going to cut through and get the high paying situation was as an entrepreneur. He went out started working in a little shed next to our house. He was making things for all the rich people. He didn't know how to bill, collect, or charge. One day, mom loses the job, the fight happens, and you know the rest. I mean, it's uh go collect what you're own. I got to be the charity case. I went with him, we drove up to a house not far from where I live now, and I watched my dad, all six foot four of him, broad shoulders. I mean, you could tell he's my stepdad. If you look at me with the giant head and the tiny shoulders. Like, let's just say this man was a love bug. He adopted my ass. So he was my hero, my stepdad, but my dad by love, if that makes sense. And uh, here's this six foot four guy, broad shoulders, big ass dude, probably looks like you. And uh, five foot nine guy standing in front of him. My dad could have killed him with a napkin. And I knew exactly what was going to happen. He was going to mammal his And we were going to go home and everything was going to be good. It didn't go that way. Shoulders slumped forward, demanding went to asking. Asking went to begging my dad took money from this guy a lot of cash out of his pocket my mom she was the gal that no bs gal she told him she said hey if you don't collect your owed you're not a man real man feeds his family we took that wad of cash i got to ride back with ramen noodles on my lap and uh we didn't get to talk about it like my dad was a pretty quiet guy already but on that day he was giving up on one of his dreams he shut his little shed He closed his business that next day. He went out and got a job, never made more than 35 grand a year in his life. He was a beautiful man, helped anybody he could always there. I was seven years old, maybe eight. I learned hatred that day. Like I would have killed that man if I had a gun. I also learned that I didn't care if I had to be feared or loved or whatever. I was never going to compromise around money. And at seven it turned money into the meaning of life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, 2019 rolls around and, my dad sat down in his favorite chair, went to sleep and he left. He went home. Well, for a guy like me from seven years old, all the way through 2019, I had been that corporate guy. If you didn't like Donald Trump, you would have hated me. Like you thought that your fired shit was bad. Oof, I was corporate as hell. Mm-hmm. And I never lost anyone. I'd never lost love. And I get that call from my brother. And he says, Hey, you gotta, gotta come over here, man. Your dad's gone. And I, I said, where'd he go? He said, well, I didn't have to answer. I already knew. I, 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 sometimes you just feel it. Right. And I, I drove over there and never cried more than that day in my life. And I went from money's the meaning of life to in seconds, love is the meaning of life. And I think on that day I realized I was going to die one day. I looked at all the people I loved in the room and was like, fuck, how do I get more time with these people? And I'd always been a nerd. I'd always been a, a geek. Right. And, uh, I started looking at these formulas that I've been building within my businesses that was all about scaling businesses at that point, because that's what I cared about as a young guy. And I said, okay, can I use these to automate things? I want more time with kids. I want more time with family. Money's the meaning of life ended and it turned into love's the meaning of life. And I I started shifting formulas into how do I, yeah, it's not bad to scale, but I don't need to have hundred percent growth in a year. I can have like 10% growth on a larger company or 5% growth on a larger company. I'm very happy with that. Right. And, uh, and I have time. Like I get to take my kid fishing. I I get to drop my kid off at school every single day. Like I, you know, I get to be the guy that, you know, not only can I sit around and hang out on a podcast with you, not having some asshole boss be like, Hey, what are you doing? Fucker. But I could, I can like go and go to a a soccer game or watch my kid in martial arts or do whatever the hell I want. And the, the juice and the squeezer, or it's not about becoming an entrepreneur. It's not about like the grind or the hustle or all that bullshit that everybody sells from stage. It's about how do you use this tool, this vehicle to get you free so that you can really do the important shit in life. And, and then, so that's the story in a nutshell. And that's why I do it and why I love it so much.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, everyone knows this, that, that is listener, And I think it really ties in over my office. I have this quote that I came up with when my mentor said, tell me the why. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I want to make money. He goes, no, that's an after effect. Right. What's your why? And I always said it's to build a life that you don't need a vacation from. Mm -hmm. Right. We can, we can work, we can do, I can be on an RV in the middle of wherever I can be on the, on the plane. I can be anywhere. So how do you, and, and what are some of the formulas that you've taught someone? It's like there's someone working somewhere right now. And it's like going, you know, that resonates. I want to build a life. I don't have a life right now because I'm, I'm attached to the man, right? I'm making someone else money. Um, what are some of the things that you would tell that person?
1: So one, there's a very simple premise that I would give every entrepreneur. And if, if you can buy into this, then you're going to solve everything. In fact, I'll give you a few. One, the most important skill set you're ever gonna have is learning. So right there, learning is number one skill set. And the meaning of life is problems, okay? And and this is leading up to something. So problems are gift, they're gifts, period X, okay? Your greatest strength and your greatest weakness are normally gonna come from the exact same place. Um, Thank you, Billy. And um, if you look at like childbirth over the last 40,000 years, you know, we all love kids, right? You know, that's the leading cause of death for women over 40,000 years. Well, that's a fucking problem. And, you know, if you look at the greatest moments of life, it's overcoming adversity. So that's hmm, another word for problems. And if you look at, Hey, you know, Hey, I'm I'm a Christian. I don't push my religion on anybody, but it says in a good book, I knew you before you were born. So I think that when we leave here, we go home. Mm -hmm. And so, but the process is called death and I don't think anybody enjoys that process. So let's call that a problem too. So what if the meaning of life was, was, figuring out how to accelerate life and even have joy through problems. And so for business, what I did was I came up with this. You can see it on your screen, but I'll go over it with the folks for the call. It's a problem solving formula and it's a filter you take your problem and you dump it into the top and it filters through like one of those little balls at the arcade that has all the sticks it bumps into and it comes out at the bottom and tells you what to do. Okay. And so, the biggest problem we have in the world is we think we shouldn't have any problems. And this problem solving formula says, okay, well, let's bring problems in. Let's get closer to them. And let's study them. Like you'd study your Bible you'd study your wife. If you love her, what if you studied your problem? What if you studied not only the problem, but maybe the problem that caused the problem. And then you you started figuring out all these details and you said, okay, well, what are some, some constants? Mm -hmm. Well, every business has three goals. This is a constant, right? So three goals, one's alignment, two is simplicity and three is foresight. And and alignment and simplicity, these two, are what I call the twin sisters of optimization. So it's optimization energy. Foresight is being exceptional. If you're a startup business, you have to be exceptional. And then you start becoming more successful, more successful, and then you hit this glass ceiling, this brick wall. And until you figure out how to become more optimized, you're stuck. Why? Same reason that if the engine in your car, which is a very optimized machine, cranking over, turning, 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 if it made one fucking exception, which is the root of the word exceptional, your car would not go anywhere. So, okay, well, those are the three goals, but you have like you have two ears, one mouth, you have two optimization energies, one exceptional energy. Exceptional gets you start and helps you innovate innovate. Optimization is how you automate, okay? And and I won't go into long explanations of alignment and simplicity, but we can dive into that if you want. There's four things you measure in a business. Once you filter down through, okay, what are the goals? So in other words, which area of pain do I have the most issues in my business with this problem that I'm now studying? Then we pass and we go to the next level and there's four goals, culture, clarity, capacity, and cash. Okay. And if you hold up like four fingers on your hand, okay, these four fingers on your hand may not be the same as one another, but they're tethered to one another. Right? So let's just play a game. If progress equals happiness going up, let's put an anchor here and then pretend it's a thousand pounds. It's going to pull everything down. Mm -hmm. Like you said that you syndicate hotels, right? Mm -hmm. So how is COVID for capacity for hotelers? It probably changed the way you syndicated completely, right? So even if you had the best fucking culture in the world, you had massive clarity and transparency, incredible communication. You had throughput that was awesome previous to that, you know, viral event. Your cash was great. You were making money at all this. Well, all of a sudden when cash capacity disappears, and they all go down with it. So you got to figure out, okay, well, where is the problem the most impacted and which other ones does it affect? Okay. And, and, and I do, basically a week, two week course on culture, on clarity, on capacity, on cash, because I mean, there's five foundations of culture. There's six returns in cash. There's eight triggers that can cause, a crime. I mean, there's all this different shit that you need to understand so that you can build and design it into your structure. Most people, they, they, they don't realize that a business is not called a limp. It's called a firm. Okay. It's not called a lack of structure. It's called a structure, right? Like, organization not disorganization but if you don't know what to organize because nobody's ever taught you what to put in it every fucking college teaches you how to get a job nobody's teaching you how to run a business what if there were simple foundational steps that you could put in and then because they were movable they were measurable and because they were measurable you didn't have to manage them you could just measure them and say hey i don't like the way this one's working and problem goes in you figure out okay well here's the three goals here's the four things you measure then we drop down there's only six things you can change Okay, well, to fix this, do I need to adjust price, product, people, place, promotion, or process, right? And so, these are the only six dials that you would adjust in this vehicle. You're the driver of the vehicle. You're the exceptional person. And if you have a Corvette and you go put on a supercharger, well, hey, you know what? We're changing the product. We're upgrading this shit. It's going to go faster, right? So, you're exceptional. It's optimized, okay? And so when you're adjusting these six things, like like, and, and that's one thing I love about business. My wife's makeup drawer, Michael, probably has 150 fucking dials. That woman is sexy as hell. But here's 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 an issue with business, okay? Like, complexity is seductive, and my wife's complex and she is seductive. But seductivity gets you fucked. I don't want that in my business. I want simplicity, not complexity. Okay. And and so if I know there's six dials, I can adjust this, I can build this, I can create whatever I want. Now that formula, let me, let me drop a a bomb here because I want to make sure that I don't just give a formula that can make anyone rich. That formula works 100% of the time. I want to frame it for your entrepreneurs, your independent contractors, all the folks that, that listen to this podcast so that they can use it effectively. Okay? There's seven different stages of entrepreneurship. Almost every entrepreneur is doing the right thing. They're just doing it at the wrong stage of development, which makes it the wrong thing for the time. Okay. Like if you see a guy like me and I'm going out and buying, you know, multifamily to get tax write-offs. And by the way, if there's tax write-offs and hotel syndications, I want to hear about that. I may want to invest in some of that shit. That sounds good. Um, I, I'm buying airplanes for tax write-offs. Well, that's a stage seven investor philanthropist scale in, investor, right? Like, you're at seventh stage. Okay. If there's seven stages of development and you got a guy that's in like, let's say, I don't know, stage three. So you got like non-start startup, and operational entrepreneur. So this operational entrepreneur, you got the non-start, he solved the mindset issue. He got his ass into business. You got the startup. He figured out, okay, well there's three Ps, right? This is the litmus test. Is this a real business? I got to pass through these three P filters, right? Is it productive? Okay. It's productive. Check. Okay. Uh, Is it my purpose? Oh, okay. You know what? It is check. Cause if you get into a business, it's not your purpose. All those gurus on stage, are like you got to hustle your way to success. That's bullshit. If you are hustling something that you don't care about, you'll get exhausted. Mm-hmm. If you are in love, then that's passion. Passion creates hustle. Hustles affect not cause. So, okay. So we got purpose. All right. And, and we got productivity and we got profitability if, or at least when you're a startup, a, a plan for profitability. If you haven't quite started yet, if you don't have those three P's it ain't a business. In fact, let's remove them just to, just to give your people a little clue here as I go through these stages and give you my example, let's remove profitability. It's a hobby. Okay, cool. Let's remove mm, purpose. It's an investment. You know what I don't give a shit about any of the apartments that I've invested money in. It's an investment. If I lose it, I lose it. That's an investment. Do I want to lose it? Fuck. No, I'm going to vet the deal. Well, but if I do lose it, am I going to jump in and do all the work to save it? Probably not. Let's be real. Okay. Well, let's, let's remove that last one. Productivity. What happens if we remove that one? You are a con artist. And by the way, if you're measuring somebody else's business, you can just go and uh, wait for the guys to message you on Instagram. I'm getting a lot of those these days. They have no ability to prove productivity but they are all pretty profitable and it's all they're passionate about it. So like those are con artists run away from them. Right? So let's say you've passed those two steps. You figured out the startup process. You've learned how to be exceptional. You've gotten in, you've realized I have to customize everything to find out what my customer needs customized to them, find out what they want, go get it, give it to them. We've started, we're making money. And now you're an operational entrepreneur, as I like to call it slave labor. You are managing by crisis you are working 24 fucking hours a day and you hear me talking on this podcast saying you should buy airplanes. Please don't. Don't fucking do that. It is the wrong stage. In all probability at this stage of development, the last thing you're worried about is tax write-offs. If you're smart, the expenses you're going to get growing your business are all the tax write-offs you're going to need. You're not going to have to worry about those tax write-offs till you get several stages further up. Okay, So that kind of gives you the first three stages and we can go through all seven if you want, but use the formula in the stage you're in in fact use the formula to solve the bottom stage that you're in like say most people if they're walking up a staircase imagine seven steps they're not going to be like standing only on one step and hopping they've got one foot here and they're moving one foot there and they're moving one foot there so you're kind of oscillating if that makes sense between one to three steps you know normally like like you might be still non-start where you have some mindset issues. You have some fear all the way to operational entrepreneur because you're running in, you're jumping in, you're, you're almost doing three stages at once. Well, if then all of a sudden you're like, okay, well I'm going to, it's not a spectator sport. It's a team sport. I need to hire some staff. I need to build some, some people up. I'm going to become an entrepreneur. I actually have a business. You know what? I've hired a manager. Guess what? You're an entrepreneur. Yay. For the first time, it's an asset. It doesn't all depend on you. You know the problem with an entrepreneur compared to an operational entrepreneur? Well, they got an office, they got a staff, they got a software, they got expenses. So you're making the same revenue, especially if you got there quickly, you just got a big fucking pay cut. So you have to go and master to get to the next stage, the art of scaling. Well, if you're going to scale, well, then, then you know how many people know jack shit about scaling, bro? Like how many, in fact, let's, let's pause here. How many people come out and brag that they can teach scaling? I haven't heard
0: any. Really? No. Oh my gosh! I get so many on Instagram.
1: We're gonna scale your Instagram. We're gonna scale this. We're gonna build you a client list. All it's oh, amazing.
0: Yes, when you when you think about it that way, about yes, I get those, especially on the podcast, things like that. You know, you you want fifty thousand views, and yeah, it's it's crazy. And and
1: none of them know what it is. None of them know what scaling is. Scaling it's, it's, it's a huge trap. Okay. When you get to that entrepreneur stage where you're like, Hey man, I've made it. I I got a certain amount of revenue. i basically, I'm my own boss, but now I've added all these expenses. What have you already scaled by grabbing a staff, grabbing all these folks, you've scaled your capacity, right? Like you should in theory be able to do more than you did because there's more than you. Right. Mm-hmm hopefully you learned, Hey, let's stop being exceptional. Let's stop customizing new things. Let's get one to two, maybe three product offerings. Let's have two or three niche customer targets that we're grabbing and, and, and let's, let's not scale this way. Let's scale this way. Right. And, and, and so hopefully you've figured that out. And that optimization is the key. If you have, then, you know, you've scaled capacity. So then after you scale capacity, you have to move to the next dial. Like the clock cannot be at midnight and three at the same time it can only be at one time at the same time right so this is how scaling works if you've scaled capacity move to the next step there's a new chapter and then you scale to all right let's increase sales and why are you increasing sales Well, you are increasing sales to increase throughput to pay for capacity to generate more margins etc 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 right Mm -hmm. well once you've scaled sales then you move to scaling and and you have to leave scaling sales to scaling your brand. Okay. Okay. So you've gone capacity sales. Brand. See what I'm saying? And you can't stay, you can't stay in each one. And I'm not saying you're stopping selling, but you as the owner are automating teams to do this first, then you're going here. Then you're going here. Then you're going here. And, and and you can't be married to two wives at once. One of them will kill you. Okay. Now you can divorce one and go to the next. And so you have to kind of be in that focus because it's this giant balancing act. Mm-hmm. So it always goes sales, brand, margin, capacity, sales, brand, margin, capacity, sales, brand, margin, capacity, just like noon to three to six to nine to midnight, to and and so on, just like a clock, right? When you're scaling capacity, and this is one of the traps, and I I start asking these questions to everyone who's like, oh, I can scale this because I have fun with it, right? Like, you know, okay, well, tell me about how you're going to do this. Oh, well, I'm going to do and, and they'll start talking about maybe the marketing piece, but they won't understand that they'll have to go to the sales piece. And they won't understand that in the sales piece, there's certain deliverables that you got to meet for the product promises and the sale. And then they won't understand that there's, there's billing pieces over here. They might have one piece of a longer formula for throughput and they don't understand scaling. Well, as you go through these four stages of scale, you increase top line, bottom line increases marginally, but not the same that top line did, right? Like your, your 10th syndication, you probably weren't paying some of the soft costs Hmm. that you were paying for your first, right? Right. Like, so like you already had trained the team, Hmm. you don't have to repay for that shit. Like you, you might have certain costs that you're doing, but like the, as you scale cost increases, go up slower than top line. Okay. So you're going to say, boom, 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 boom. And it keeps going up on top line, slightly up bottom line, up on top line, slightly up bottom line. And you're going to see yourself increasing (laughs) Oh, mm-hmm. my CTO's phone is making noise. Let me turn that off. I didn't realize you left it in the room. Sorry about that. Uh, and so eventually what you're going to find is you're going to find that as you're going through this process of scaling, going from entrepreneur to operational megapreneur, okay, which is normally where you go from, a say, a home flipper to a home builder, mm-hmm or a home flipper to a hard money lender, there's generally a pivot and you've mastered scaling. Okay. Eventually you start seeing, okay, well, yeah, we raised top line, but bottom line goes up a lot more, which means expenses went up far more than what they should have based on previous revolutions of the scaling cycle. And this is an indicator. This is where a lot of people die when they're scaling in the megapreneur phase because they don't understand that that just means that the plate overfilled, you now have leaky buckets no different than you replaced yourself an entrepreneur with a i'm going to say a manager but we should probably call it a measurer now you've you've gotten to a a higher level and you need to start building in c-suite executives and your your ceo level if you've gotten here mm-hmm. so you need normally like a cfo probably taking the finances off of you probably a coo taking some of the operations the hiring the firing the the measuring, the job descriptions, the write-ups, whatever, okay? You, yep. you, you might want to get a technology officer. Like, right now, I mean, holy shit, I am working on things with my new tech officer that, that we, we've got some softwares that we're putting together because of the synergies between our businesses that we think might revolutionize some industries. And you might go from playing the, the millionaire game to the centimillionaire billionaire game, real quick. Because I mean, if you've ever paid cash flow, the Robert Kiyosaki game, like I never understood, you get out of the rat race and the, and, and the money gets so much bigger. And then I got into production home building and I was like, oh, Oh, okay, like wow, okay. And so if I value a neighborhood, it's probably like a hotel compared to a home flip, right? If I value a neighborhood instead of a house, oh, well, that's 15 million. That was 50. Holy, okay. Oh, can I do 10 neighborhoods, right? and and so kind of the same thing well as you get those c-suite executives you've graduated now into a buy your ferrari congratulations you have a life you have a new business partner though his initials are irs it may stand for internal revenue service but most people just think it's i really suck okay he likes to regulate you he likes to take half your shit okay and so then you start saying oh well how do i solve problems in this stage and that's where people should go and find folks like you who, I mean, I don't know the tax benefits of hotels. In fact, once you said that, I was like, man, I'm going to pick on this guy's brain a little bit too. So you, you can share some of that with me, maybe. Um, but on multifamily, that hundred percent bonus depreciation last year, 80% this year is pretty freaking good, man. Yep. I, I I don't hate it. You know what I mean? It hasn't done a bad thing for my tax bills. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you start looking at, okay, well, what are the legal and ethical ways, to reinvest because broke people spend their money, middle class people save their money, rich people invest their money and they invest their money in what, uh, how do we call those what, what is that, what is that, it's a root word multiple ticks, it's oh, politics, politicians Okay, multiple blood sucking arachnids, so we all know what I think about <laughs> um, they will come out with all sorts of bullshit pork that they put into bills that, because uh, the government doesn't have any money, what they really need is for rich people to invest their money into shit that the politicians promise so that they can extort votes out of unsuspecting people, unfortunately. (laughs) And, um, and when they do that, what they do is they write tax breaks into the tax code. I mean, Mm -hmm. you you kind of wonder why Paul Pelosi outperforms Warren Buffett every year. You kind of wonder why so many of those politicians don't pay taxes, probably because they read the tax code they write. Well, your billionaire buddies do too. And so you can do the same shit if you are a big nerd like me Mm -hmm. or, or have friends and, and and know how to get those nerds to tell you what they're doing. And then you find the legal ethical ways to reinvest. That's the seven stages, that's investor philanthropist. So if you take the simple formula with the three goals, the four measurements and the six things you change and you figure out, okay, well, I'm oscillating at these stages, let me solve my problems at the bottom stage, you're gonna naturally advance very quick. Anyone can become a millionaire in a five-year process. Anyone, like making money is fucking easy. Now, if you try to do it the wrong way, like, like, look, say, say, say you're like, somebody tells you, anyone can find the right girl, anyone can find the right woman. And then they tell you, but well, what you should do is take her bowling, grab beer and, uh, you know, tell her to wear lingerie on the first date. Probably bad advice. Maybe not, maybe not going to be a keeper. You know what I mean? If she even shows up. So like, like you, you should probably know the steps. Most people are trying to do the wrong shit to get to the right place. And that's the only reason they're not getting there.
0: Yeah. So it's it's very interesting what you're saying. So before we wrap up, it's been absolutely fantastic. Who is your perfect, who do you help? Is it, is it more of the CEO type? Is it more of the entrepreneur? Is it both? Do you have different programs for both? Or the people that are already into it versus the people that are starting out what is your niche or is it is it's everyone
1: well no so my niche has been good question i appreciate that question mm-hmm. my niche has been higher net worth individuals mm-hmm. okay um i like i told you earlier before the call i got launched into coaching it was not by plan i had a big business i had a big name out there sue me when i opened a business and that kind of made me famous in a certain circle And, uh, then I, I was coaching a lot of those folks and, you know, and, and so I, I got launched into coaching high net worth people. Like coaching is not my business. It's my passion. So, so who do I help? Like mostly in the last, since COVID, when, when I launched a travel agency for high net worth folks and a coaching agency for high net worth folks, I've coached millionaires and billionaires. Um, we asked a question probably about this time last year. We were like, how do we extend this? Okay and and anyone can go check that out if they're in that category and they want to see it it's yblnow.com. they can go to the website i mean four epic trips every year crazy peer group it's it's absolutely amazing i mean give you an idea like it's not just coaching it's travel it's events like they will take you and you're going to go scuba diving and snorkeling and look at all the beautiful fish and all these folks go get in and they're like wow it's a little deep we can't really see and then and then every once everybody's in the water the travel guides, they, they, they chum the water. And all of a sudden, you've got hundreds of Nerf sharks rising to the surface. They're not dangerous.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but Let's just say you're going to have an experience. You're going to introduce courage. You're going to know who you really are. And every person you may not have known before that trip is now family. <laughs> so that's why yell. And I mean, there's coaching, but they, they will not let you become comfortable. That's where, um, like, let's say, uh, opportunity goes to die. But no, we started a new program. And uh, we, you can check it out on on my website, theprestonbrown.com. It's it's for low-level entrepreneurs, people that want to just get out of a job, and and we we give them the fundamentals. It's two grand a year, two ninety-nine a month. I don't do it to make money. I mean, the other one you're going to spend six figures, okay? Like j- between the trips and everything else. I mean, the average trip I'm going on, I'm probably spending fifty grand. I think the cost of the trip is probably ten. Uh, but then there's donation opportunities. I'm like, you are like, oh, I'm going to do this. Like that's not for everyone, okay? But the low-level program, it's a two-grand-per-person program. It is group coaching, but its you get an hour call every Thursday with some influencer in faith, family, fitness, or finance. And then you get a business call that's two hours every Friday. And it's, I mean, we're watching lives get changed. We've we just launched it. It's brand new. We've been doing it for a few months, kind of testing it, figuring it out. We've been doing part of that that cycle of the scaling where we're, getting feedback. So kind of we're after you've done sales, we're in brand and, and margin. We're like kind of brand side first, right? Where we're like, okay, what do you need? What's working? Cause coaching somebody one-on-one that's sort of a done with you, almost done with you for you. When you got a group of 50 folks, it's a little different. So we're testing it and metricing it. It's still early. Like, so, you know, if you jump in now, you could be part of the test process.
0: There you go. So everybody it's the Preston, brown.com and where else can people uh, find you instagram uh, facebook all of them and it's all the
1: preston brown and i give away all this content for free i would love for people to go use it it's like the gym man i mean you can go run outside for free if you want the personal trainer go to the gym that's that's it but it's all there if you just want to filter through instagram
0: and, you know, I can tell you, you know, I tried it on my own, and it cost me probably more money than it would have cost me to have a good mentor and coach. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, utilize this great technology we have and uh, get a mentor, get some coaches, get do it the right way so that you don't uh, spend tons and tons of money doing it the wrong way. Well, Preston, I appreciate you being on the Richer Geek podcast. It's been uh, extremely insightful for all of us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Richer Geek podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show, and more information about our guests, visit us at www. RichardGeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening and leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you and thanks for listening.